We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience Week 10 Injury Update, including Dr. Jesse Morse joining a little bit later on for some of the longer-term injuries. You can hit the time codes if you want to skip directly to that, but then you would miss the entire injury report and the spin for this week, I got some DraftKings ownership along with some spreads that I like this week, although you should not tail me on spreads because I've been fucking abysmal at making bets against the spreads over like the past three weeks. Props too. It's just been a real bad run for old Pat Mayo here. Something that is not going to run bad is the giveaway for 20 DK dollars. What you do, smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, tell me your favorite tight end on the DraftKings main slate under four thousand dollars this week the people will say it's mike gusecki because he projects to be around like 20 percent owned maybe you have different options i want to crowdsource this one see how it goes also if you subscribe rate and review and download the pat mayo experience audio podcast rate five stars DraftKings handle something nice about the show then you'll be in a draw for 20 dk bucks i'll be live 9 30 a.m eastern time on the DraftKings youtube channel the pat mayo experience facebook page and afterwards on demand on all the audio podcast feeds me, Gary, and Cuss taking your questions, updating all the injuries on Sunday morning, getting you ready for the week. Finally, playing the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Open, $15 to play, no rake, $45,000 of guaranteed money. The link is in the description of this video and podcast. So you might want to go play that. There's only like 2,000 people in it right now. So there's plenty of space. I suggest you take up some of that real estate. Let's dig into the injuries right away. We'll start at running back right now and we have Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Elvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, and Trey Edmonds all going to play at least likely to play this week. David Johnson was removed from the injury report so I've bumped him up in the rankings. You can find those on dkplaybook.com or in the description of this video or podcast. It turns out like all the links to all the stuff is in the description of the video or podcast. People ask me all the time instead of just you know looking but it's all right there. So 
I expect a full workload for David Johnson. Tougher matchup, but he gets involved in the receiving game, and boom, you're good to go. With Alvin Kamara, uh, they even admitted that he is open to increasing his share of the workload with Latavius Murray, who is so good for us. While Alvin Kamara was out, I wouldn't expect this to be like a 50-50 split, but 65, 35, 70, 30, depending on what the score of this game is. The Saints are almost two touchdown favorites against the Falcons, so we might actually see more Latavius Murray. It's gotten me off of Kamara for draft kings this week it's an elevated price and with murray you can't take the back end of that for the price that he's at so it more gravitates you towards the solidified guys the guys are playing for sure 70 well not for sure but more than likely 70 percent plus of the snaps uh guys that are ruled out at running back mark walton he's suspended then you get kalen balaj miles gaskin a lot of fun there, but I guess Bellage would be the guy if you had to turn to one. For, hopefully, like you're not in that situation, so it's not that big of a deal. James Conner and Benny Snell both ruled out for this game. Dr. Jesse Morris expands on James Conner a little bit later on the show and how he could potentially miss even next week at this rate. I still like Jalen Samuels, his pass-catching prowess, and anything that's full-point PPR, whether it be your home league, whether it be DraftKings. You just play Jalen Samuels. He's like their best option. And when we get to Juju, who's also banged up, he may have even more of a role this week. Hopefully, Trey Edmonds gets less work on the ground and maybe doesn't touch the ball so much near the goal line, and it goes all to Jalen Samuels. That'd be optimal. Not the likeliest of scenarios, but you're probably still looking at a 70-30, 75-25 split for Jalen Samuels. So fire him up. You picked him up last week, use him again. Chase Edmonds, as a part of that mix in the Arizona backfield, as expected, will miss this game with a hamstring injury. And Ito Smith shall not return against the Saints for the Falcons. Brian Hill will back up Devonta Freeman here, although Freeman hasn't been good by any means. Fantasy-wise, he does present an interesting situation in this game with them, as I mentioned before, being two touchdown underdogs. He's just been racking up a lot of catches here over the week. So if you can get him to like seven, eight catches, which we've seen him do a few times in the past month, then all of a sudden he's a you know mid $5,000 running back who no one's using. If he falls into the end zone, it could be a quick 20 points. Uh, if you're looking for a way to get off of Devin Singletary or David Montgomery, who we'll talk about in the ownership section, Devonta Freeman, as bad as he is, might actually be the best path there to some upside uh, for a cheaper price at running back in that area. And wide receiver, Devonte Adams, Hollywood Brown, Traquan Smith, Amari Cooper, and Josh Gordon right now are at least likely to play, likely out. Corey Davis with his hip injury. Still no word on Duke Williams. I guess I not that you're playing Duke Williams anyway. It's more of an impact on Cole Beasley. If Duke Williams plays, fewer snaps for Cole Beasley. If Duke Williams sits, all the snaps for Cole Beasley, and he's like kind of usable in that situation against the Browns. Not a good start mind you, but at least he would play all the snaps. Corey Davis being out impacts, obviously, A.J. Brown. I've moved him up in the rankings. I've elevated Adam Humphreys into the territory around Cole Beasley, Jamison Crowder, that type slot PPR type guy, low A dot, high percentage throw, something Ryan Tannehill likes, high percentage throws, because when he tries to throw the difficult ones, they tend to get intercepted. I also moved Taja Sharp up in the rankings as well. Out for the week, T.Y. Hilton, Preston Williams, who's out for the season, Paris Campbell, DeFrenchman, Brennan Cooks, A.J. Green, Adam Thielen, and Sterling Shepard. I like Boyd the best of all the Bengal receivers, and I don't even really love him, but he's probably going to play the slot where you can best attack the Ravens in a game, again, where they're 10-point underdogs likely to throw, but... We're in a situation right now with Fit Finley at quarterback, and I have no idea how that's going to go, so don't 
you're probably going to play Boyd if you have him, just based on how your lineup construction goes uh, and the way that you drafted. You probably don't have better options, but if you do, fire them up instead, and you probably want to avoid him right now. I actually liked Boyd if Green was back to take that attention away. He's always performed better when he's a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one, and maybe you can say that Auden Tate has really jumped into his market share well ross has been out well green has been out but just against the ravens defense don't love it despite all the volume that could potentially be there if you have more guts than me you can play them but hey that's not for me right now uh, Sterling Shepard, uh, going to miss more time with a concussion as well. I like Darius Slayton against the Jets. He's super cheap, uh, and especially with no Evan Ingram either. Someone has to catch the ball, theoretically. I mean, this team, this game could be 0-0 with them run, running and fumbling and seeing black cats the entire time. But Slayton is a big play guy. We've seen Daniel Jones throw to him in the red zone. So if you're taking a shot on upside, he is a well-calculated flyer, put it that way quarterbacks Mahomes is back great news for everyone on the Chiefs Matt Ryan is back better news for everyone on the Falcons and Jacoby Brissett is a game time decision no real lean on whether he's going to play or not but if they're going to run him out there with being 11 point favorites anyway with Brian Hoyer against Miami you're looking at a situation where he comes back and he's fine they get up by a bunch and they pull him from the game to retain his health or he's not 100% which would seem just shocking to play against the Dolphins at home when you can probably run all over them with Marlon Mack anyway so I've inserted him into the rankings one spot behind Josh Allen ahead of where I had Brian Hoyer but it's a dicey proposition when it comes to Jacoby Brissett this week I'd probably avoid him on DraftKings or maybe it just makes him a 0.1% play and almost like the well actually I do like Slayton but as it pertains to like the Bengals receivers if you got the guts it may, maybe it's not a terrible play but this could just be three drives and done for Jacoby Brissett and the potential for him to get re-injured is extremely high so you probably don't want a big zero in your lineup either at tight end Cameron Brait, OJ Howard Chris Herndon Luke Wilson Ed Dixon more on that in a sec and George Kittle all tentatively expected to play. I broke down the George Kittle injury with Jesse Morse a little bit later on. If you want to skip to that, he may miss this week. So if you do have George Kittle, have a backup option prepared. I guess on the Niners, it's not going to really help because you know Levine Toilolo is one of the options in that mix. And as someone who's had to play him one or twice, one or two times over the past like ten years never really turns out well on the other side of the ball with ed dixon returning people like jacob hollister as a pickup this week but if luke wilson's gonna play and hollister's gonna play and ed dixon's gonna play it's really hard to pinpoint which one of those guys you want i originally had jacob hollister inside my top 10 i have moved him out of that range down to around 15 i like him the best of the seahawks tight ends but i don't love him this week not like i did when i thought that dixon and wilson had the potential to miss this game uh, it could turn out that dixon could be the guy that you replace kittle with he is worth holding out for if you don't have a better option but i saw that gerald everett was dropped in a lot of leagues this week and it's going to really come down to saturday practice for george kittle didn't practice on friday not a big deal because he plays on monday night but if he sits again does not practice on saturday you really have to expand your horizons of the risk you're willing to take at tight end this week if everett is available and kittle doesn't practice on Saturday, I'd probably play him. Even Mike Gusecki, if he was available on my waiver wire, Jack Doyle, someone like that. If it's really leaning like Kittle's not going to play, you might have to bite the bullet and waste what could be a start for Kittle on one of these other guys to avoid a zero just because the options are so horrendous on Monday night when it really boils down to it. And frankly, Jacob Hollister might not even be available as he was such a hot pickup this week that you would have to turn to Dixon, Toilolo, 
or even Luke Wilson. You probably don't want to do that because that's probably just as good as your George Kittle zero if he doesn't end up playing. Guys that are already ruled out, Evan Ingram and Delaney Walker, Ricky Seals-Jones is going to be a game-time decision for the Browns. If he sits, like Demetrius Harris isn't the worst play in the world, but right now, the way that we're looking at it, Jonu Smith actually sets up quite good now with Corey Davis out with Delaney Walker out. If he gets more involved and plays all these snaps on the offensive end, everyone went to him last week. It really did not pan out well. And now everyone just forgot about him. He's still on DraftKings. He's still playing the chiefs. They can be had up the seams where John is going to run a lot of his routes and they project to be behind now that Mahomes is starting and maybe throwing a bunch. John an interesting contrarian play with everyone in the world going to Gesicki and or Rhett Ellison, who is filling in, for Evan Ingram this week, he's only $2,500 on DraftKings. I'm going to be using him. I don't think that he gets like super duper chalky, but the lineups that you construct with him have to be superstars and scrubs. That's the only real reason to go to him is that he pr- provides such cost savings at the tight end position, even over the other cheap guys that if you think that extra thousand dollars gets you up to Christian McCaffrey or gets you up to Michael Thomas or one of the elite options of the week, It's not the worst idea in the world. I wouldn't make him a priority target. It's not like I'm sitting down on my DraftKings lines and being like, you know what? I'm starting my team with Red Ellison and building it from there. But if you can make it work and get up to a player you desperately want, whether it be with him or a cheap defense or both to have the superstars in the Scrubs team, I can't fault you for it. It's a really nice situation against the Jets. The Herndon thing is odd, too, because, he again, he might be – active but not healthy enough to play that no one will use ryan griffin in that same game and he's cheap and he's actually shown a rapport with scaredy old sam darnold who's afraid of ghosts but at least in the red zone ryan griffin has been a preferred target for him over the past three weeks it's something interesting to ponder if you don't love some of the cheaper tight ends or want to get off the chalk Uh, the only real defensive injury i'm concerned about this week is Uh, Bradbury on the Carolina Panthers. He's a big body, and he did not practice on Friday. He would be expected to shadow Devontae Adams, but if he can't go for Carolina, then Adams might be a very nice play this week. A lot of people are disenfranchised with Aaron Rodgers, and that's reflected in the ownership this week. It does appear like everyone is just gravitating towards two games, Saints and Falcons, Cardinals and Bucks, and those are the stack games. And I'm not going to talk you out of any of those two. They're the highest projected point total games of the week. But that Carolina Green Bay game is actually third right now in overall game total. And it doesn't seem like anyone's taken Packers. Even if it's just something as rudimentary as Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and you bring it back with Christian McCaffrey and then take your Rhett Ellisons and cheap defenses to make it all work, at least it's a stack that it doesn't seem like anyone else is going to have. When you start stacking Kyler and Breeze and all these guys, great plays, obviously, but it then depends on your other plays because so much of the field is going to have that. It's going to be very akin to the Russell Wilson, Jameis conundrum from last week that if you just stack that game, you probably won a lot of money, but you didn't end up at the very top unless it was your other pieces that ended up hitting because everyone had basically the same lineup. Just something to think about if you're going to be playing multiple lineups this week on the DraftKings main slate. Uh, Provided by FanshareSports.com, and if you use the promo code PME at FanshareSports.com, you get yourself a discount. Check out all of the ownership for the week. The highest projected running back of the week right now, Devin Singletary. Singletary, Montgomery, McCaffrey. Those are the big three that people are going with. All above 20% projected ownership in the DraftKings Millionaire Maker and even that $10 faux Millionaire Maker. I think it's 300000 for first prize that they're running versus the $100 buy-in 100th anniversary NFL DraftKings Millionaire Maker this week. Uh, 
I can see fading Singletary. I'm not going to lie to you. There's still a chance that Frank Gore is the one who gets the red zone work or at least the goal line touches. I know it doesn't seem like it happened that way last week, but it did. Frank Gore just got stuffed over and over and over. Additionally, even if he does get on the field in the red zone, and I don't want to say that Devin Singletary is a bad play. He's not. But if he's going to be this popular, I just see his floor not being as high as a lot of people may think. And the upside could be capped because we know that Josh Allen likes to run the ball in near the goal line. If his touchdown upside is capped, then that's really problematic. I prefer Montgomery over him. I talked about Devonta Freeman as a potential pivot. And with McCaffrey, listen, if you can get up to him, use him 100%. It's just a lot tougher this week than it was last week because you don't, you can pay down for Ronald Jones, I suppose, but I still don't really even love that against the Cardinals. So it's harder to get McCaffrey into your lineup this week with no super cheap Jalen Samuels to be in everyone's lineup to have those cost savings. Plus he's more expensive this week, Uh, but it does seem like people are trying to get to him at wide receiver. Michael Thomas projects to be the highest owned up around 25% ownership followed very closely by Christian Kirk, Chris Godwin, A lot of people are just like Evans, 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 Evans. And that's what's been popping up on the stat sheet and winning people a ton of money on DraftKings the past few weeks. But it's pretty clear that people are afraid of Patrick Peterson. He's going to be on the outside. He's going to be on Mike Evans. And Arizona gets absolutely annihilated in the slot, which is where Chris Godwin patrols. So everyone is pretty savvy that people aren't as stupid as they used to be like three, four years ago when it pertains to making their DraftKings picks. They know that Godwin is likely the superior play to Evans this week, and they're putting him in their lineups over Mike Evans. So maybe Mike Evans as a contrarian play is a decent move. He's going to garner ownership, obviously, but he's not going to be one of the three highest-owned receivers of the week like Chris Godwin will be. Quarterback, very flat this week. No one projected over 12%, so I wouldn't even worry about it. Kyler, Jamison, Breeze projected to be the three highest owned. At tight end, Gesicki, the number one chalk tight end. I like Gesicki this week. I understand how it sets up really well, especially with Preston Williams out. And against this Colts team where they're huge underdogs, probably have to be throwing the entire time. I may or may not use them. I'm not sure yet, but around 20% ownership, it just seems like you should fade them and use one of these slew of other cheap tight ends coming in at like one-tenth the ownership with exactly the same upside and exactly the same floor. Whether it be Jonu, even a Rhett Ellison down, who's going to carry ownership himself, the Ryan Griffins of the world, the Jack Doyles of the world, if Seals Jones sit Demetrius Harris, that type of guy, they all are around the same. We're just dealing with recency bias as it pertains to Mike Kosicki this week. So at your own peril, you can use him if you want to. Better season-long pickup play, uh, but like John U. Smith could end up being a lot better, and no one's going to own that guy instead. So that could be the pivot move that you want to do. So we have Gesicki, Hooper, and Kelsey, one, two, three. I would expect Rhett Ellison to creep up into double-digit territory as well. Uh, now that people know that Evan Ingram is for sure out, and they start mixing around their lines, be like, oh, 2500 bucks. I can do a lot with those savings in my lineup, and that will just draw people to Rhett Ellison in a nice matchup up against the Jets. Uh, DSTs, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and the Colts. Uh, I'm good with fading Pittsburgh. I'm good with fading the Colts at double-digit ownership. I do really like the Browns in this situation against the Bills, though. And that really gets me into my spread picks for the week. Uh, It's follow the money week. I've been doing so poorly. The only games that I've really been doing well with are the reverse line movement games, and we have two that are pretty staggering this week, to tell you the truth. Uh, They opened up the Bills at plus 2.5 at the Browns, 90% of the money was on the Bills, and the Browns moved to minus three. So everyone's betting on the Bills, yet 
bookmakers are moving the line towards the Browns and attracting more money on the bills. Bookmakers are betting on the Browns this week. Bookmakers, as I've heard, win more than I do. So I'm going to back them on this one. I like the Browns. That's why I like their defense. I like Nick Chubb as a contrarian play this week as well because uh, the Bills have been getting gashed up the middle. It's really a mismatch here. They, they're bad at stopping the run in the interior, which is where Nick Chubb dwells. And maybe even Kareem Hunt can get into the mix a little bit too. I wouldn't worry too much about Kareem Hunt impacting Nick Chubb, at least this week. Could happen. Probably not going to happen. And then the defensive line, offensive line matchup. The Browns' excellent defensive line against the bad Bills' offensive line is a real problem. So I assume that's why they're setting it at minus three and why they're betting on the Browns to cover that number. I'll be betting along with them. Also, uh, this one, I think it actually just moved up, but the biggest backside of any spread this week is the Lions plus two and a half at the Bears. I understand all the reasons that no one wants to bet on the Bears. I watch the Bears. They're not good. But in this spot, I'm just going to follow the money. The line has not moved. And if you see that number move from two and a half to minus three for the Bears, it seems like a smash spot to get on Chicago. It doesn't seem like Hakeem Nix is going to be back. So that would normally be a problem. But Detroit doesn't and can't run the ball. So they can't take advantage of the biggest weakness on the Bears defense. And the Bears pass defense still incredibly good. And all the Lions want to do is pass. So if that defense can come up big for them, just avoid like four turnovers, please. Mitch Trubisky, and hey, the Bears cover. If you parlay the Bears minus three and the Browns minus three together, you get around three to one on your money too, uh, if you can find that. So that's a situation that I like. I'll be recapping all my bets on the Sunday morning show, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel, the Pat Mayo Experience Facebook page, and you can catch it on demand on the podcast. That was the quick injury recap. Hopefully we'll have Meanie back soon or maybe even someone to fill in if he can't go again, but thanks for bearing with me. Dr. Jesse Morse from The Fantasy Doctors is up next. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the show. Now bringing in Dr. Jesse Morse from thefantasydoctors.com to discuss some of these more important injuries and how they factor out long-term. Doc, the big one I want to talk about right now didn't practice on Friday, which isn't the end of the world because George Kittle plays in the Monday night game. So Mm -hmm. Saturday practice is going to be the important part for him, but he's dealing with a knee injury right now. And it seems really murky on whether or not he's going to play on Monday night, but like, how does this impact him moving forward? Could this be more serious than we think? So the issue with his injury, I watched this live and he took a shot to the leg. I mean, it was direct impact. So he's going to have a massive bone bruise deep in that uh, upper part of his lower leg. That's what he's dealing with right now. I don't, I'm not super concerned with the hyperextension of the knee. And that's why he was able to get back in the game and have a good game. Um, there will be a little bit of the ligaments that are a little stretched, but for a long term, I'm not overly concerned about that. I remember when Bryce Harper did it and he was okay for after a couple of weeks. The bone bruise, on the other hand, is going to be painful. And that's probably what he's dealing with and why he can't go right now. These really hurt and they take kind of a long time to heal. So this is more of a pain threshold than uh, an, uh, any other issue. So I don't think he's going to play this week. And if he does, I just don't have much faith in him. Uh, and, and it'll probably be another week or two after that before you get start getting comfortable with him again. If he does end up suiting up against the Seahawks on Monday night, and if it's a bone bruise or even if the ligaments are a bit worn a little bit, 
what would be the chance of a re-aggravation of an injury or making the injury worse if he was to go? Is that on the table or is it just, this is what he's dealing with now? It's yeah. I mean, um, it's more if, uh, I'm not really worried about an exacerbation or worsening it. I'm just worrying about if he can deal with the pain and the, cause the, the ligaments being partially stretched, he's going to have some swelling. So he may, his knee may not respond like he wants it to. So that is something we have to worry about, but, uh, Structurally, I think it's more uh, it's said and done. We just wait for it, to get away for it to heal. And, and, and they have some stuff, but it's only been, what, four days or whatever, five days. So these things just don't heal this quickly. So I'm not worried about really a re-exacerbation as I am so much dealing with dealing with his pain. A lot of people ended up taking A.J. Green in like the eighth round, ninth round, sometimes in the double-digit type rounds in their season-long fantasy drafts back in the end of August after the injuries had come out that he was going to miss, you know, probably between two and six weeks. Well, it's now week 11, or sorry, week 10, uh, and he is due back after the bye week. You can put A.J. Green into your lineups, and not so fast. He has this ankle injury, and he is now out indefinitely. Is this ankle injury, like, real, or is this just him not wanting to play? Like, what's going on with A.J. Green? That's that's a great question. So, um, a lot of people just assume that that these injuries heal like we want them to, and we can wave a wand and everything heals perfectly. It doesn't always work that way. We have certain timelines for regular injuries, and for the most part, they respond. Your ACLs, so on and so forth. Some of these a little bit less common abnormal injuries. When you finally shed uh, the boot and start running, that scar tissue, your your what we call proprioception, so learning where your foot is in, in context to the ground or, or, or a hole or whatever, it takes time to develop that back. So it sounds like when he ramped it up, he developed some swelling. He probably developed a little bit of pain, and that just doesn't go away in a couple of days. So now he's got to wait for that to calm down. He's got to ramp it back up and do it again. So you know, running one route every 20 minutes is fine. But when you run three or four routes over a five-minute period, his ankle's not able to uh, bounce back as quickly and age isn't exactly in his favor. If he was 21, it would be a lot easier to come back from this. So I'm sure the contract isn't, isn't exactly helping the situation. I would not be surprised if he didn't play an entire game this year. Wow. So... Yeah. That's, uh, I guess you didn't spend a lot of draft capital on him unless you ended up taking him and, you know, it to be the end of July or something like that. That's why you yeah. always wait to do your fantasy drafts, by the way, people. people <laughs> yes. I know everyone gets all excited and does all their drafts, but the more information that you can have at your disposal at the time steers you away from this type of, type of situation where you were banking yep. on someone like A.J. Green. The Chiefs have announced that Patrick Mahomes is going to start on Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, obviously, he has the knee injury. He was dealing with the ankle injury before that. How close to 100% do you think that Patrick Mahomes actually is? So the ankle should be pretty much 100%. Um, the knee injury is probably 60-70, maybe, maybe give or take. Um, from the description of his of his knee, it sounds like he did not completely tear what we call the MPFL, the ligament underneath the kneecap that keeps it in place. And that's why he's able to come back on the lowest end of normal. It's still a little risky to return him now, but um, with proper bracing, uh, they've been rehabbing him like crazy for the past two, three weeks. I think he'll be fine. He won't have his mobility, like kind of like at the beginning of the year with the high ankle, but I'm not overly concerned about him re-injuring it. Um, if he takes a sh direct shot to the knee, 
it's a different story and, and, and he's probably going to re redislocate it right now. He's probably at the 10 to 15, 20% range of, of potentially redislocating it in the off season. I expect him to have surgery though. Evan Ingram is out for week 10, and we don't know for how much longer than that. Sterling Shepard also dealing with a concussion injury. Doesn't seem like his return is imminent anytime soon. But in terms of Ingram, there's a guy that a lot of people rely on as their starting yeah. tight end. And you can go pick up Rhett Ellison, or maybe there are options on your waiver wire. But you know, this is an elite tight end, and everything else that you can go manage to scoop off waivers is going to be a downgrade. Would mm -hmm. you expect Ingram to miss beyond this week? And let's say he ends up returning. Will he be? close to full health because a foot injury not great from what i hear no so the first initial reports were a midfoot sprain the other name for a midfoot sprain is a liz frank Ooh. we know that from cam you can call it that but unless they're not being medically accurate like we dealt with hunter henry in his knee where they said it was one thing and it wasn't that's what we have to go on so the fact that they sent him to bob anderson dr anderson up in Green Bay immediately, like what a day or two after it happened is not good. That's usually a sign that this is kind of a big deal. And the guys at HSS in New York who are very good wanted a second opinion very quickly. So the, um, my suspicion is this is kind of a big deal at best. This is a two to three week injury. Um, if it's a mild, uh, irritation of one of the local tendons, then he may get lucky and be back in a week or two. If this is a true midfoot sprain, Liz Frank, he may be done for the year. So what you're saying is make other options. Yes. I, 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 when I hear midfoot sprain, uh, run, you know, offensive player and meet Bob Anderson, I usually think I are, that's usually the sequence. And I thought, I thought that for Cam and that's what happened. Uh, the, St the Steelers are dealing with two things now. James Conner is going to miss week 10 against the Rams with that shoulder injury. Shout out to you for accurately calling this one, that if he didn't play last week, that he wouldn't play this week. And that's the situation that we're at. But all of a sudden on Friday, Juju pops up on the injury mm -hmm. report with a toe injury, the same toe injury, apparently, that he had earlier in the season. It went down a little bit, and now it's reflared itself up. Would you expect a toe injury, despite the fact that he was able to play through it before, that Juju would be okay for Sunday? Yeah, he'll probably be okay. He's not going to be 100%. This is probably a turf toe. Um, and, and our friend Devontae Adams can remind you how bad these can be. Um, these linger. These do not heal quickly, even if it's a week or less than a week, especially not a day or two. He'll probably be wearing carbon fiber inserts if he can tolerate the discomfort of wearing them. Um, but this hurts. I would, I would full fade him if I, if, if, if you have a choice, I mean, it's a rough week to do it, but uh, I just, I don't feel good about a new injury report on a turf toe on a Friday uh, with a Sunday game. Like, I just don't feel good about that. I think he's probably going to try to tough it out. I just don't think he's going to, I think he's gonna be a decoy. So as it pertains to James Conner, who is not playing this week, Benny Snell also not suiting up for the Steelers. Trey Edmonds will be back. Jalen Samuels will end up at the start. Expect a similar split here, although the game flow might go just a little bit differently against the Rams. Do you think that Conner comes back next week? 50-50. Okay. So at this point, it is unlikely to be a grade two sprain. So a grade one was pretty much ruled out the fact that he didn't play last week. The fact that he didn't play this week means it definitely wasn't a grade one. And it was probably, it's probably either a really bad grade two 
or a grade three. Uh, grade threes are that gray area where you sometimes you do surgery on them and sometimes you don't. These usually take a good three to four, sometimes six weeks. So think of a running back with a shoulder injury and then him getting pounded on when he's taking shots directly to that shoulder. Probably not very good. So the odds of him coming back early and then not re-injuring are, are so low. It's like almost inevitable. So he has to wait for this to heal. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's out until like week 13 or 14. I, I just, I really wouldn't. So the other big two right now, T.Y. Hilton is going to miss this game with a calf injury. We'll get your take on how long he might still be out after this week moving forward. But Jacoby Brissett has been practicing on a limited basis with this knee problem, and it doesn't seem like the Colts are going to name a starter until Sunday against the Dolphins. Now, one way you can look at it is, hey, we're playing the Dolphins. Maybe let Jacoby Brissett get himself right. If we do see him on the field this week, though, what percent health do you think he's at? He'll be about 60%, give or take. So he suffered what I thought he suffered. Thankfully, it wasn't more than that, though. It was an MCL sprain. So that's the ligament that runs north to south on the inside of your knee. You sprain it by someone hitting the side of your leg and it trying to collapse in, and that ligament takes the force so it doesn't allow you to collapse in, and it kind of t- partially tears. So if this is a grade one, um, he will be pretty good. If this is a grade two, he's probably not going to play. So the fact that he's practiced the past couple of days means it's probably on the lighter side. Um, they got the MRI, which means that uh, there's a good chance he did not suffer a meniscal tear, which can happen with these. Um, my suspicion is he plays with a knee brace. Um, he won't be very mobile, but he'll be okay. Adam Thielen is not going to go in week 10 either with his hamstring problem. He hurt it and then he sat, then he came back and immediately had to leave the game. We've talked about hamstrings on the show before with you and it's, Hey, you need to give this proper time to heal itself or it's going to constantly get re-aggravated. What's a logical timetable for Adam Thielen. He's not going to play against the Cowboys this week, but is that enough to keep him out considering he re-aggravated it last week? Or is he going to miss like multiple weeks here? See, he, there's two things that I think will help jog people's memory about these injuries. One is Leonard Fournette in 2018. If you, remember, if you have the pain from that statement alone. The other is their bye week is coming up. They're the late bye. So they have to be silly not to sit him out until after the bye. Um, they look like they're going to head to the playoffs. At least everything looks like it's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know about that. Well, they have a good chance. Well, maybe we can say that. Um, they're better than the Dolphins. Yes. Um, but um, the issue is if you send him back out again when it's not healed and he re-injures it a quote-unquote second time or, or essentially a third time, he may be done for the year. So. I would think they're going to be probably cautiously optimistic and, and, and very cautious with him and say, sit him out this week, maybe next week, uh, wait until the bye, you get like kind of a month off and then hit it hard for what four or five weeks, whatever the remaining schedule is. Um, there's some reports that he didn't re-injure it and took himself out. Whatever the case may be, it's obvious this thing is not right yet. Um, and I think he needs a couple more weeks before he should trust this again. And when he does trust it, he needs to go 100% and practice and be doing his Nordic curls at home. Last guy, Darius Geis is coming off the injured reserve for week 11. Coming into the season when we had you on, you talked about how this guy is a clear avoid because he's going to re-injure himself. He did re-injure himself, but now he's been out for 10 weeks. So by the time he comes back now in week 11, was quote-unquote getting hurt so badly you had to go on injured reserve in week one actually the best thing that happened for him? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that um, he's still not recovered completely from the ACL. Remember that. So his knee's not 100%. Now he's got to have all these kind of random injuries that he's had. And now he's got a, a new tear or had a new tear. I think he's probably going to surprise and, and have a nice burst at the end of the year. He's a very aggressive runner. So he's inherently at a high risk for injury and not even including his position. So um, I can't say he's going to make it the rest of the season without getting re-injured, but I would not be surprised if he turned some heads and looks really good for a couple of weeks, depending on the matchup. All right. Dr. Jesse Morse. You can follow him on Twitter at Dr. Jesse Morse. If you have any follow-up questions, for injuries and tell everyone where they can find your podcast and your videos for the stuff that happens right away. Yes. Yeah, so we, uh, if you search for the fantasy doctors on YouTube where you can pop up and we will be there. Uh, we also have a Patreon site that, that I, I load a lot of the videos on there and a lot of the injury reports and stuff like that. Uh, my, my Twitter feed is probably the easiest way to, to find uh, all of the info pretty readily. Uh, and then the rest of the team adds uh, a lot of the stuff and I will promote that as well. Uh, so those are the three main areas. And if something happens during the game, we try to get out pretty quickly within a half hour, hour, we give you a, an idea of what's going on. All right. And that'll do it on the Pat Mayo experience. Tune in Sunday morning, 930 a.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Or check it out on demand after the fact on the audio feeds. Myself, Gary, and Cust live taking your questions, updating you on all of the spreads, all the DraftKings news, all the injuries, and all the start sits that we got going on for the week. I'll see you there. And if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, remember, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me your favorite DraftKings tight end below $4,000 this week in the week 10 main slate. Dr. Jesse, you got any uh, cheap tight ends you like? Kazeki? Yeah, everybody, he's like 20. He's going to be like 20% owned in the Millie. Um, Ellison, not yeah. ideal, but you're running out of options here. Um, Ed Dixon? Ed, Di- Ed Dixon's Monday night, though, unfortunately. Yeah, so you run, as I said, you um, the other uh, kiddos replacement is um, is also Monday night. Ooh, um, Griffin, if Herndon is out again, ooh. I mean, I think Herndon will play. I just, he's a ghost like the rest of this jets until we prove otherwise. Um, if, if they're on a buy, Fells is on a buy. Ooh, you're starting to get thin here. Um, Doyle. Doyle, I think is not the worst, uh, idea. Um, and then I think, uh, the, the Ricky seals, uh, seal Jones, he's been okay. Yeah. He I may, mean, he may or may not play though is the thing. So I guess if he ends up sitting, maybe Demetrius Harris could be the movie, I mean, yeah. but now we're really searching here. So, dark, yeah. so, so I want to leave it to the people out there. Maybe we'll try to aggregate this from the comment section. So again, smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me your favorite tight end below $4,000 on the week 10 DraftKings main slate. My cheat sheet is up on dkplaybook.com as are my rankings which are all updated the spread picks it's all there people so go check it out dkplaybook.com you can also find everything in the description of this podcast and video i'm pat mayo good luck in week 10 i'll see you next time everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.